there was a file relatively early on into my journey that I ended up competing against kind of the borrower's bank on. And we ended up getting into this little match over a pretty negligible rate difference. And what I didn't realize at the time was I didn't know enough about the other product that was being offered. So I was kind of, you know, in a situation where I wasn't necessarily comparing apples to apples. And additionally, I didn't, you know, kind of have the critical thinking skills to look at it and say, okay, well, for this negligible difference in rate itself, I mean, sure, you get all these product features, but there was also ways for me to keep the business by, you know, offering maybe some cash on closing without, you know, maybe having to buy down my rate or anything like that. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Welcome to I Love You Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Every Friday, I talk to a rookie who's making waves in the mortgage industry to find out how they're succeeding in today's market. Today, I have Matt Kelly. Matt's been a mortgage broker since November 2020. He started in January 2021. And in that first year, he funded 17 files for $6.9 million. In 2022, this year, halfway through the series at 11 files at 6.7 million and he's doing this part-time currently so he's works in accounting and works for a company friend of mine jason armstrong owns he's a good dude so a couple things that we talk about in this episode first he talks about a file that he lost and kind of why that happened i always find those to be useful for you guys to pick up some nuggets from that we talk about how he started doing instagram like lives at night which for most people is like wow why would you do that and just video in general and I asked him about where he gets his business from and mostly referrals from his network. And we dive into like specifically like, what do you say? Who did you reach out to? What did that look like? So that if you're sitting there going, okay, I want to do that, Scott, we've got some ideas for you there. And then finally, at the end, he's like, hey, how do I know when it's time to pull the plug and go full time in my mortgage business? So I give him my thoughts on that. We've had quite a few agents that we've helped go from part-time to full-time. And so I just walked him through some thinking processes for that. And I hope you find that valuable. Before we jump into this episode, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection submission platform, very easy for borrowers to use. One of the cool things they do is as the borrower is filling up the app, it's automatically determining what documents the client needs. That's really useful for you. When the app comes in, you can then go and search Lender Spotlight, figure out what the rates guidelines are for your client. It's all searchable. And then when you finally get ready to submit, it pulls key data over from the application and makes it easy for your underwriter to actually underwrite your file so you get more yes. The whole thing is designed to make it seamless and make it easy for you and your borrowers to use. You can check them out at lendesk.com slash Finmo and book a free demo and enjoy this conversation with Matt. Hey, Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott, thanks for having me. So, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're from. Yeah, no, for sure. So I'm from St. Thomas, Ontario. It's a small town just outside of London where I live, born and raised there. I live with my lovely wife. I went to school at Western to be an accountant, went, got my CPA. Really throughout school, kind of developed a love for personal finance. And then as I got into accounting itself, started investing in real estate and really developed a love for real estate itself. Right. And so then how did you get into the mortgage business? So an accountant doesn't necessarily equal, hey, mortgages, often it means more accounting stuff. No, 100%. So basically, I was trying to buy my second property inside of six months, and I couldn't figure out, you know, why I couldn't get it done. I ended up getting referred to a broker who is now actually my team lead, Jason Armstrong. And, you know, we met up, we discussed, I was kind of debating a career in real estate, I wasn't sure at the time, you know, being a real estate agent, is that being, you know, kind of a mortgage agent or mortgage broker, 
and ultimately decided from talking with him that being a broker would be a great way to kind of leverage my accounting background and some of the skills I picked up along the way. Okay, I'm going to ask a follow-up question. That. So what's the one skill or thing that you've learned from the accounting career that you think has been the most helpful now that you're a mortgage agent? You know, kind of doing a quick analysis of the deal and kind of just a quick sanity check. It's something that I picked up early in my accounting career as an auditor. And then so just talking to clients and starting taking that quick look at a file now is something where it's, you know, can kind of easily be able to identify whether there's a deal present or whether there isn't a deal given what the client's looking for. Right, right. So just being able to kind of, and also you understand the different documents and I'm sure T1s and like, so if you don't know any of that stuff, it's like, man, it's a whole new language, but that part, I'm sure the learning curve was very short. And just looking at it through the lens of a lender and being like, what do they care about? Right. Versus CRA cares about this, lender cares about that, but you understand how to read it. Yeah, 100%. Luckily, underwriting was a skill that was, you know, easily able to come by once you you know, kind of get your hands on, you know, the lender kits and stuff like that. And that's where tools like Lender Spotlight are great. They kind of make the synthesis a lot easier, but underwriting was definitely something that came a lot easier to me for sure. Right. That makes sense. So when did you start in the mortgage business? Yeah. So I was officially licensed in November, 2020. So 2021 was my first full year. And uh, yeah, I was pretty happy with how it went given I do it part-time. Yeah, so part-time in that first year, which was my next question. And so what was your production like in 2021? Yeah, so in 2021, I did about 17 files, which equated to about $6.9 million in uh, funded files. Okay, which is a good start considering this was not your full-time gig. And so currently you're still working the other job, right? And we're going to talk later about kind of like when does it make sense to transition into that? We call it burning the boats. It's like, okay, I'm out. When does it make sense? But so you're currently still part-time? Uh, yeah, correct. I still have my accounting job. And was there any point that, I mean, this can be one of those careers that's like, oh my gosh, one day you feel amazing, the next day you feel like somebody's kicked you in the head. Is there any times that you felt like you questioned, man, is this the right choice? Should I just stuck to accounting or, you know, should I become a realtor? Please don't say that yes to that question, but I'm curious what you thought. Yeah, I know. I have a lot of respect for what realtors do, but it's not something I'm looking at right now. Overall, like it's kind of to the top. I mean, I love real estate. I love the industry itself. So talking about houses and goals with clients, something I thrive on, whether the business is you know, going off and going crazy or whether it's a little bit slower. But additionally, when I kind of think about, you know, being a broker and, you know, being your own boss, the way I look at it is that running your own business is not a short-term thing, right? You're trying to build something sustainable and something long-term. And so with that, I really haven't had any, you know, kind of questioning the industry or questioning the path that went down. Right. Yeah, that's good. And so I always like to ask what a file that you lost because when you're new, there's a thousand one ways to lose a file. And so often until you've actually gone through it, you don't, know how you've done it. So can you think of a file over the last kind of year and a half that you lost, but looking back now, you're like, oh my gosh, I would totally handle this differently because I think it's a good learning for other people listening. Yeah, for sure. So there was a file relatively early on into my journey that I ended up competing against kind of the borrower's bank on. And we ended up getting into this little match over a pretty negligible rate difference. And what I didn't realize at the time was I didn't know enough about the other product that was being offered. So I was kind of you know, in a situation where I wasn't necessarily comparing apples to apples. And additionally, I didn't, you know, kind of have the critical thinking skills to look at it and say, okay, well, for this negligible difference in rate itself, I mean, sure, you get all these product features, but there was also ways for me to keep the business by, you know, offering maybe some cash on closing without, you know, maybe having to buy down my rate or anything like that. Right, right. So there was some different ways you could handle it. And obviously, I mean, it's one thing as a new mortgage broker, new agent, you've got to learn your own products. And then level one is learning your products. Level two is learning your competitors' products because 
it's hard enough to learn your own base, which is significant, right? When you think about the number of products that we have, there's similarities between these products, but there's also nuanced differences that can mean why certain lenders are better fit for certain files. So that's really good. So I think you touched on this, but so kind of two skills you got to learn sales and underwriting, which was harder for you to work. Yeah, for me, it was sales and kind of figuring out what that B2B aspect of sales were, especially when you look to kind of build in those referral relationships. Uh, B2B selling was something that was pretty new to me. I kind of had to navigate that throughout this journey so far. Right. And so where did your business come from? So you see you did 17 files in your first year. I think you told me you did like, you almost duplicated the volume and slightly less files this year, but what's been working for you to get clients? Yeah. So shortly after getting licenses, I kind of started to reach out with some more tailored messages to kind of friends and family, just to let them know that, hey, this was something that I was doing now. Even if they just had questions, reach out, you know, don't necessarily buy into, you know, what you're reading online because, you know, there's some training that I had related to it. So in those reach outs, happen to have some friends that were looking to buy, you know, their next home and, you know, service them well. And then referrals came as a result of that business primarily. If I'm you, so let's say you're new, and this is good for other people listening, but say, what does the reach out look like? What did you do specifically to get these people to pay attention to you? Yeah, fair enough. That's a good question. So really, I started basically on, you know, one of two paths, kind of operating in tandem. So I would look at my Facebook group or my Facebook contacts and kind of would just reach out to them, you know, maybe five a week and just say, hey, this is kind of what's going on in my life. What's going on with yours? And sometimes that would lead in its own direction, completely unmortgage related. And that was fine. Follow up with them. And then there was other things that I would put out on social media, namely Instagram or Facebook, just with general kind of mortgage tidbits. And sometimes that would be the igniting force of some conversations. Okay. So some one of them was more like a broad educational base to everybody. And the other was more directed to, hey, how's it going? And so when you message somebody, so let's say I'm your friend on Facebook, we went to college together. What would that message look like? What would you say to me if we haven't talked in a couple of years? Yeah, sure. So probably it would start off something like, hey, Scott, it's been a while. How are things with you? You may answer right away. You may answer a couple of days later. Yeah, exactly. So you're not leading with, you know, hey, do you want to join my MLM? (laughs) Yeah. For instance, you know, hey, I got some soap to sell you. What? (laughs) Unfortunately, I think we've all got enough of those MLM messages over the years. And that was definitely not, you know, kind of when you think of the classic thought around people, how they look at salesmen, that was definitely not the approach I wanted to take. And it's not the approach I take now, right? You talked about how there was individual messages and still kind of broad educational messages. That's still something now that I do, whether it's in static content or more dynamic, like video content as well. Right. Before we turn on the recorder, you were mentioning to me something about doing like late night Instagram live. So tell me about that. So the first question is, is that something you've ever done before being a mortgage agent? I'm assuming probably not, but I could be wrong. And then like, maybe you have an OnlyFans account. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Oh. Yeah, like, but so tell me about that and what prompted you to do it and how did that go? Yeah. So really it, it was, you're correct. It was something that I had never done before. And basically we had to be on the mortgage team. And what happened was three of us had jumped on a late night call and we were kind of just catching up, but we were also talking a little bit of shop and talking a little bit of business. And so Eddie and I talked after and we're just like, hey, this would be a really kind of cool thing to try and do. And so within about a week, two weeks at the most, we launched like a Friday, I think it was called like Friday nights after dark, where we just talked about kind of what was going on in the real estate industry, in our businesses, how they were, and allowed people to kind of jump into the live, either talk about themselves, maybe if they were a realtor or pop on and actually ask questions. So it was something we ran for 
It's probably about 10 weeks. It's not something that we're currently doing, but it was a pretty great experience to kind of push the boundaries of what felt comfortable, right? You don't grow if you don't push those boundaries. Right. So now have you gotten more comfortable doing video? Is that something that you're like, just I'm curious, because I think it's something we all have to, you know, this current environment where it's like not wanting to learn how to type back in the 90s. It's like this computers were coming. You don't want to learn video. It's kind of, I feel it's the same. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. It's a great analogy also. I feel that I've definitely gotten more comfortable on video, not quite at the TikTok level yet. Yeah, whether it's hopping on Instagram Live talking about my week or whether it's actually, you know, kind of paying me with a videographer just to talk about kind of that evergreen content or that educational broad-based content, certainly something I've become a lot more comfortable with, which is then translated into the business where, you know, if a client wants to have a Zoom call as opposed to a phone call or FaceTime or whatever it is, like that's not a problem. It's not a concern for me at all. Right. That's really good. Okay. So you work with Jason Armstrong. Awesome, dude. Love that guy. What's been sort of the biggest lesson that you learned from Jason? Probably the biggest takeaway that I've picked up from Jason is, you know, it's one thing to have, you know, these big goals that we all want to have, but you kind of fall to the level that your systems are at. Jay has done a great job as a team leader of kind of helping us all systematize our business. And especially as somebody that's still a part-time agent, I kind of need efficiency wherever I can get it to kind of ensure a smooth client experience. So it's having good systems in place. is probably one of the greatest takeaways that I've gotten from him as a team leader. Right. Yeah. He set up Jungo, right? Like I'm pretty sure he's a Jungo yep. junkie. You know, yeah, it's like, give was... me the Jungo. Uh, <laughs> okay. So I asked some rapid fire questions. You can answer shorter answers. You're like, what's one thing people can't find out about you from Google? Yeah. So in the past 24 months or two years, I've renovated three properties using a variety of lending solutions from unsecured like loans, like lines of credit to refis, executing the first strategy, even a couple of purpose plus improvements in there. And I wouldn't change a thing about it, to be honest with you. So are these properties that you flipped or just kept in your portfolio? Uh, one ended up being a flip that I didn't really plan on it being a flip. One is a triplex that my wife and I still own. And then the other one is our current primary residence. Yeah. So, and you're still married after doing three renovations in two years. Like, so dude, kudos to you for that. So what's a movie everybody should watch at least once? It's a long movie, but The Godfather. I think it's a great movie about family, the importance of keeping calm under pressure, kind of having a plan and executing that plan. Yeah. I watched it recently. I actually never did watch it till like okay. maybe a year ago. And I was like, I watched all of them. It's a good movie. All right. So what's three software programs or digital tools you can't run your business without? Um, so it would be Django, Buffer, and then probably either like Spotify or Audible are great tools. That Yeah. I like both of those too. What's the best advice you received as a new mortgage broker? Never be afraid to try something, kind of fail quick, learn and move on from it. Okay. Who'd you learn that from? It's a mixture of books, but it's also talking with people on my team. We have a great team led by, as you alluded to a couple of times, like Jay is a great guy. And so we just have this great culture where we all kind of help each other out. Right. Knowing what you know now, is there anything you would do differently if you're starting over? Uh, no. Everything that hasn't went well or, or as planned has taught me something. And that's kind of just the stages that you go through as an entrepreneur. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't really think a failure is failure. Everything's like a big science experiment. And I get to be the lab rat and the guy with the lab coat. And it's like, oh, I have an hypothesis. I think this is going to work. Oh, it worked. Cool. Or didn't. Cool. If you have that sort of curiosity about it, instead, then it just, it doesn't keep you down because you're just like, oh, you know, there's always learning in it, regardless of what happens. Okay. So we had chatted at the beginning. You, I said, hey, what's kind of a challenge you're looking at right now? And you said, when do I pack in my current job? So I can tell you, here's what will happen when you finally do like pack in your job, because it sounds like you're having some success is you're going to see a significant uptick in your production. And now I never tell anybody to quit before they're ready. I think if you do that, that's going to cause you stress and 
you know, you've had three renovations. You don't want you and your wife fighting about no income coming in. But in every case, when somebody who's working part-time at this moves to a full-time focus, you can literally graph it. It's like all of a sudden, I had one of my agents, who's a farmer, sells the farm. And then all of a sudden, he's just kind of doing this. And then he just, poof, right? Another one of our agents, Jeff, he was working as another job. He let that go. He could go way faster. So in your mind, whatever you're kind of doing now, I would expect if you take this that 20 hours that you're putting into whatever that other job or whatever that number is, and you put it into your mortgage business, you can expect to double what you're doing in a very short period of time. And you just have to trust yourself on that part. The second thing is, is that look at your pipeline and be like, okay, what do I got for pre-approvals? You know, is that, do I see stuff coming in? And do I have a plan for how I'm going to get, you know, because for most people to replace their income, if they're doing two mortgages, three mortgages a month consistently, they're like, hey, this is actually works out to be as good or better than my previous job. But now I got 40 hours a week. 50 hours a week even to put into my mortgage business. And so if you start to see in your pipeline that you're going to be like, hey, I think I can you know, consistently close two mortgages a month on average, and you're only putting half your time into this, the way you get to three and four is actually give it more time, right? And then when you get to five and six, what's going to happen is you're like, dang, I can't get to 10 because I now have too much paperwork and then you get help. And for most people anyway, that's how you get to 10. Like when we've coached people that are kind of at that sort of part. In almost every case, it's put in some processes if they haven't done it already. And the second thing is, is the higher support. So you're just going through the natural you know, evolution. So I would look at your pipeline and I would expect that if you could just trust yourself that if you had three months to give 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week to this, and you put more effort into the prospecting, as long as you have a prospecting plan, you know, if you don't have a prospecting plan, then it's going to be a little more challenging because you may just sit there and go, okay, phone's not ringing. But if you have a plan for prospecting, then I would say, if you're already at over six million this year, six and a half, whatever it is, you know, the way you finish this year at 18 or 20 is you go, okay, I'm going to go all in. Although the market is a little funny right now, you know, time stamping this, there's interest rates. And so there's uh, it's a bit of volatility in it. That makes sense. Well, man, hey, it's awesome to chat with you. I think that, you know, congrats on your success so far. And when you do decide to burn the boat, shoot me a note. I'd love to hear when you're like, okay, Scott, I'm going all in. And then, you know, let me two months later, Scott, you suck. It was a terrible idea. <laughs> then I'll say those Jason's idea. We can blame them for it. I'm just kidding. No, I where appreciate you having me on and appreciate the tips, man. Yeah. Where can people find you online? At MK Lending Solutions on Instagram or Facebook is the easiest way to find me for sure. Okay. Awesome. And yeah, keep doing the videos. If you've already started with that, I think it's like learning to type in the world we're in today. You've got to get video down. So kudos to that, brother. Talk soon. Yeah, talk to you later. Hey, thanks again for having to listen to this episode. A couple quick things. First, if you're a new mortgage agent and you're like, man, I want to get a referral-based business going, we just scratch the surface on what's possible. In our program, Rookie to Rockstar, we'll show you how to build a massive list, in some cases, hundreds of people that are happy to hear from you every month, and then how to use that list to build a list of real estate agents. And then from that list of real estate agents, we'll show you how to present to them, to convert them, to make them trust you. And then you got to learn how to convert the client, which we also, we're coaching on that. And then finally to get that mortgage funded. So we've thought through all of this and I think of it as finding business, converting clients and funding mortgages. Go check out lookingtorockstar.ca. Thanks again for listening to this episode. Thanks Matt for being on the show and we'll be talking to you guys soon. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.